صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners. How are you today? Another week of isolation with the COVID virus. Now, as you know, we're coming into June, and June is Station Appeal Month, where people like myself spruik our shows with an endeavor and expectation of hope that our listeners will support us. Now, as you know, we are volunteer-run, volunteer announcers. We're working from home now. We're not getting paid. The reality is 3CR desperately needs your support. So we urge you to become a subscriber to donate, call in, go to 3cr.org.au backslash donate or just go to the 3CR website, you can find it there. Or you can call in on 94198377. Donations over $2 are tax deductible. So be sure to call in and make a donation to 3CR's appeal and keep shows like Palestine Remembered on air. We need your support and can't do it without you. So be sure to donate at the end of this show. Ladies and gentlemen, some exciting news. We've got a super treat for you. Robert Martin has joined us today. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Asher. Good morning, Asher. And thank you for that lovely introduction, which is very, very, uh, shouldn't have done that. Uh, but it's wonderful to be back. I've missed you. I've missed the listeners. I've missed the, 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 you know, the discussion of Palestine, even though I wish there was more happy stories that we could discuss. So, uh, yeah, right, Robert. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, thanks, Rob. We have missed you and we've had a number of calls and emails and I've told everybody that Rob's not gone anywhere. We're each dealing with uh, our stuff and particularly COVID and, you know, kids and home parenting and teaching and all that sort of stuff. So we've all got our challenges to deal with and your kids are much younger than mine. So I'd say you've got an extra level of, uh, of challenge. And you're right, Rob, there's very rarely good stories to come out of Palestine and unfortunately not much new. That being said, we're going to start not in Palestine, we're going to start in America and swing that back to Palestine and Australia. And the thing that Palestine, the United States and Australia have in common is those three countries are settler colonialist states. We've talked about that, what that means in the past, Bill. Just to recap for our listeners, settler colonialism is when you come in and you kill everybody and you take over the land and the resources. And what we saw during the week on Wednesday was a black guy arrested by the police his name was George Floyd, another black American, with a knee to, the, to his neck. The police officer was all, all of his weight pressed up against the back of the, the black guy. It's horrific when, horrific when you see it, because the amount of weight going on uh, the gentleman's neck, there's no way in the world that he could have done anything. And there were three other police officers around. He's, he already, he, he's hand, handcuffed, Rob, as you know, the video shows. Handcuffed yep. behind his back. He's lying face down, and this cop's put all his weight on his knee, across the back of his head. Poor George, his final words were, please, I can't breathe. The knee on my neck, I can't breathe, officer. They're going to kill me. This is George Floyd's last words on the 27th of May this year. And I say swinging that around because 
During the week, we also lost a, a Palestinian, a 48 pal, Ayman Safiye. This is, he's an internationally renowned ballet dancer and artist. He went for a swim off the coast in the Mediterranean there. The Israeli Coast Guard barely even searched for him. Within a couple of hours, had called off the search. They've he not went seen, missing. missing he called in, the Israeli to help, and they only spent a couple of hours looking. Uh, minimum time. Hasn't raised any, no, no eruptions in the newspaper, no challenges, no you know, international call, no helicopters, just a quick cursory look, and then that was it. And this is a Palestinian, you know, like a, we'll put inverted commas here, a good pillow. He wasn't a Zionist, and I'm talking from the Israeli perspective, but, you know, he performed in uh, Israeli ballets. He's, you know, acted in movies. This guy was internationally renowned dancer. No care, no concern. Put that into then, you know, the next level of, of Palestinian death. You know, remember the, the Palestinian nurse, Razan Najjar, the Palestinian nurse who was executed in Gaza. Yeah. Um, and then you go, okay, in, in Australia, you know, we've just had Sorry Day which is a commemoration of the injustices experienced by the stolen generation. We've still got black, black deaths in custody. We've got the 10-year-day inquest going on. And what we see in all of those circumstances is an oppressed minority who is second-rate, second citizen, treated differently, whether it be execution with, uh, by a sniper with uh, Razan whether it be uh, a knee to the back of the head and the suffocation of a, a black man being under arrest, allegedly for having a bad check, writing a bounce check. Nobody deserves to die for a bounce check. Through to Tanya Day, who was taken off a train, apparently she appeared intoxicated, and she died in a prison cell with the cops laughing at her when she was falling down. I mean, I remember seeing the footage of this not long ago. It's just, uh, yeah, again, horrendous. The sickness of a settler colonialist mentality, and, and it's, it's state-sponsored terrorism. The way it works structurally is using the sort of crusader language, the life of the subject, you know, the, the person getting ruled, the life of the subject is based on the quality of that person's life, is based on how the coloniser feels. So yeah. and during the week also, we had a situation in New York where a white woman was walking in a field, and that field is clearly a dog's on leash area, you've got to have your dogs on the leash. This woman had her dog off the leash. A black man, this guy is on the Council of New York Bird Watching Association. I mean, some people like to watch birds. And he, he's in the, in the bushes looking and photographing ground birds. And the reason you've got to have your dog on a chain or on a leash in that area is because the dogs harass the ground birds. And they're trying oh. to keep these indigenous birds, you know, protected in that space. So he goes along to that woman and he says to her, you know, excuse me, your dog's got to be on a leash. She gets offended up and down. Her name's Amy Cooper. We should say it out loud because we want her to be outed for the filthy racist she is. She calls yeah. the police. He's videotaping her. She calls the police and says, there's a black man threatening my life. Oh, we know what a white woman calls the police and says, my life's being threatened by a black man. What that results in for the black man. It's going to be, well, thankfully, the cops didn't show her anything and she went away. But his she video... She probably calls all the time. She's probably one of these people that just call all the time when she sees someone like that. Well, the reality is his video went viral. She went on CNN and says, I'm, I'm not a racist. You know, probably said, I've got black friends. I've got black uh, friends, of course. Anyway, her employer initially suspended her and then, then fired her. Said, we don't want anybody... Well done. Congratulations. 
And, and it's good that that ended up in that way. But how many times and how many black men have died at the end of a self-entitled colonizer or a white person using their privilege, using their privilege to determine the life of, of that other person? And, you know, I, I had a really, really strong argument. I'll say it's an argument. This person, I don't think, will ever speak to me again. But Can we say their name as well? Or? No, we should say their name. Um, but they said to me, what, 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 did, what, did, um, what did George do for the cop to arrest him? Now, I'm going to say this to anyone who actually wants to justify any killing by any armed individual. So anybody that says, what was Roseanne doing when she got shot by an Israeli sniper? Anybody that asks what George was doing, why the cop had his knee on his back, you've got to ask yourself, where does that question come from? racism straight away that question comes from a predisposition to assuming that that person of color had must have done something wrong because uh, white people a ruling class we don't do that stuff there is nothing nothing a woman wearing a medical coat and a red cross could be doing that justifies getting shot through the chest with an exploding bullet there's nothing she can be doing yeah so many people do ask that question don't they well, and they do it from a position of racism. Nothing, there is nothing that George Floyd could have been doing or done that when he was lying face down on the road with handcuffed behind his back, that this guy could suffocate him with his knee that justifies anybody asking what was George Floyd doing. Yeah. And if you ask that question, you're, you're just a racist. You can piss off. Yeah, and no, I agree. No, that's true. I mean, it's, it's part of our judgments and... Uh, and, and racism that's you know innate with some people, and look, some people don't really know that they've got it, but it's a it's a part of uh, society. And I I remember I don't know it was a year or two ago where there was another African American that was getting stood on or kneed on, and he was also saying that he couldn't breathe. Rob, that was and five years ago. That was five, five years, years ago. ago. He was arrested. Five coppers arrested him. He was arrested for selling singles. Sorry, what? for selling singles. What a single is, he'd buy a packet of 20 cigarettes, and let's say it was two bucks for a packet of 20s, which means they're 10 cents a stick. He was selling the sticks for profit. So he would sell a cigarette for 20 cents. So he was arrested for selling singles. Somebody called up and said, there's a guy out here selling cigarettes illegally, because it's illegal to open up a pack of smokes and sell them individually. You can buy a pack of smokes and you can give one to a mate. Uh, You can share one, but you can't sell them individually. He was selling individual sticks for a profit. He was arrested and died. Now, if you need to ask the question, why five cops had to arrest this bloke, had to stand on him, he was yelling out, I can't breathe. And you say, why, what did he do? You're just a racist scumbag and you should just piss off. Mm-hmm. Well, the police, the police officer or the police at that time, he, uh, the stance over him was exactly the same. That's what happened today. Uh, you know, they're obviously taught to do it, you know, block the airways if you can, so they, so they don't move. It's terrific, you know, and it's unfortunately that we keep talking about these things. Uh, and they're, they're not decreasing in any way, shape or form. That original I Can't Breathe, his name was Eric Garner when he was put in a chokehold by the NYPD, and that was in December of 2014, Rob. So five and a half years ago, but it feels like yesterday, as you said, it was only a year ago. Well, hopefully, hopefully the person that killed him or the people that participated in the killing of him are doing long, long sentences in jail. 
Uh, I don't know the particulars of the Ghana case. I don't think anybody went to jail, Rob. I know there was, um, you know, it was one of the impetuses for the Black Lives Matter movement. These four police officers, I understand, have been stood down, waiting to see whether any of them get charged. But, yeah, I mean, it was clear as that was on video. I mean, there's no, no denying it. It should be, you know, pretty, pretty easy conviction. Well, you would think so. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, in Palestine, we come back to Palestine, you know, when a settler mows down a kid in his car or uh, an Israeli soldier, you know, confirms the kill by putting a rifle to, a, to the head of somebody that's already been shot. We, we see the devastation and murder Palestinians daily, weekly, monthly in Palestine. It's, it's yeah, obviously there's, there's many videos that we've all seen that we you know, wish we hadn't seen. Uh, the Israeli soldiers, you know, celebrating after hitting a Palestinian or killing a Palestinian. You know? I mean, it's engraved at a hate, as you say, for you know, the colonial regime. They treat them, not, I don't believe, like second-rate citizens. They're more like animals. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they just look down at them. And anyone that can behave in these manners, whether it's a Palestinian or whether it's an African-American, shows the level of hatred they have towards them. You interviewed Nura Pellet, Miko's sister, mm-hmm. many years ago. People can go back and look that show up on our podcast. And she you know, did the dissection of the Israeli education system and just how dehumanised the Arab, the Palestinian was in the education system and the Jewish-Israeli education system that allows yep. for this superiority mentality to go on. Yeah, and when, you, when you're raised from a you know, very early age, and they, you know, they believe it, it hits from about the age of five or six where it really starts to go into their brain with their you know, education and the way that the, the army you know, brings up the parents uh, of a level of hatred that's been brought up with the kids, uh, it's pretty hard to break, pretty hard to break. And uh, you know, there's a big job ahead of the world to, to all stand up against Israel and just hold them to account. Now, Rob, we were speaking before we went on air about American Senate passing the biggest funding package for Israel. Yeah, so it's been discussed over about the last 12 months when the Foreign Relations Committee passed a bill giving Israel a minimum of $38 billion over the next 10 years. Now, this is despite this devastation in the US economy because of COVID. Yeah. Now, to me, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous without COVID, but the fact that COVID is full, full swing in America. It's not, you know, just the beginning of COVID that they've done this. They've done this in the full swing, knowing what the cost is going to be to the economy in America. Uh, and the fact is that they've slipped it through. Nobody really knows that it happened. Uh, it's a, um, there was a Senate live streaming because obviously you can't participate in a meeting. The group had 15 items. There was no discussion or debate of the bill. The largest such package in US history. Its title was never said. Now the bill will go to the next full Senate. If it passes there, it will likely be signed into law by Mr. Trump himself. And, um, you know, the fact that they can do this and slip it through, but, I mean, who does America care for more? Their own people or the Israelis? I mean, the Israelis don't need this money. They don't mm. need this money. I mean, what, what does it work out per minute or per yeah. second? We're working it out before. It's $10.5 million a day. $7,229.83 a minute. So almost $7,300 a minute, every minute per year for 10 years. They also get other stuff. They get weapons. They get all sorts of things that America doesn't need anymore or they want the, uh, the Israelis to use. So the 48, the $38 billion is, you know, is the minimum amount. And I was just going to say that despite the fact the Senate Rules Panel had 
recommended that extra efforts be taken to ensure public transparency while capital is closed. Despite there being a demand for transparency, they still managed to push this through. Yeah, well, the Senate's Press Gallery Standing Committee of Correspondence had objected strongly to the decision of being pushed through as well. Mm. But it's, it's supposed to be, um, uh, you know, very transparent because of the way the place is at the moment because they can't actually go into Senate. Ordinarily, in a functioning democracy, somebody's arguing for and somebody's arguing against. In a, in a situation today where most of the senators aren't in the capital, whomever is there gets part of a committee and they just push through what they want. I mean, we've had the same situation here locally during COVID. The parliament hasn't been sitting. It's been sitting with very few people and yeah. they've been you know, pushing through stuff. It's you know, the, the precursor to martial law when you can just start pushing through stuff saying that it's emergency times, emergency measures. We've got to do this stuff. Download the app so we know where you are and who you're talking to. I mean, yeah. the, the challenge with this stuff is nobody ever winds it back. You know, September 11, 2001 was almost 20 years ago. They haven't wound back any of those laws. In fact, the laws with respect to uh, incarceration, question without, uh, questioning without representation, denial of application for bail, if you're even vaguely, uh, there's a way for them to say that you're a terrorist. Due process yeah. is something that is in the movies. It doesn't exist anymore. You can be 14 years old. Your parents aren't there. There's no lawyer. We're in crazy Machiavellian space now. Yes. And it's, uh, you know, what can you do? I was just uh, also going to just say here, Nasser, that uh, the Senate committee chairman, Jim Reish, refused to allow a live stream of the meeting. Now, this goes against what the committee had actually said. God forbid anybody should see it. <laughs> yeah, they must actually do it live to make sure that it's above scrutiny. The fact that this guy can do that, $38 billion, COVID, largest amount in American history. Let's just do a little talk between the, you know, the few of us to sign it through. I mean, this is, this is on the back of, there's something like 35 million unemployed Americans today. You know, just a huge... I'm not, I'm not laughing at that number. I'm laughing at the fact that they can talk about 38 billion to a small little country over there that doesn't need it. Well, we've said it before, you know, if we had that, you know, $3.8 billion a year, we could make anything bloom. And then this is, we're giving $38 billion to, a, uh, to an area where, you know, illegal colonists uh, suspected of contracting the virus, the COVID virus, they actually were in isolation, had taken that opportunity to leave isolation and go and spit on Palestinians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which to me, look, it's not overly new for Israelis to be spitting. I saw when I was there in Jerusalem, down in the old, old uh, city, I saw some Israelis spit on this elderly Palestinian woman. So it's something that they do. Mm-hmm. But this is a whole nother level. This is mm-hmm. not spitting because I don't like you. This is spitting because I want to infect you with a, a, um, you know, with a virus. And yeah. uh, you know, it's not new. And again, as I said at the start, and that's a, you know, trying to find some good stuff, this is all the stuff that we hear. Money, Attacking on Palestinians, uh, you know, spitting to let them get the virus. It's, it's just so hard, you know, heartbreaking. I think we should just cut to a break now and we'll join you straight after. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our June station appeal. We'll be taking donations online to help keep the station going for another year. Like so many community organisations, 
We're feeling the impact of COVID-19 restrictions, and we know you are too. But independent community media is more important than ever, and we hope you can show your support with a donation. The 3CR station appeal starts on Monday the 1st of June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. 3CR, here to stay. Now, Rob, it's been, been a while since we've spoken about Gaza, but we can't ever forget Gaza just because the cruelty, you know, the world's largest open-air prison there just continues unabated. Uh, to remind our listeners, we've got 2 million Palestinians in barely, you know, a fifth of the size of Canberra. And we, we keep talking about it, but that population density, and this is a show in Melbourne, the population density in Melbourne is 450 people per square kilometre. The population density in Gaza is close to 35,000 people per square oh. oh, When you say it like that, I'm just going to say too now, just so I'm sure our listeners are aware, that the UN said, it was only a couple of years ago, that Gaza would be uninhabitable by 2020. Yeah. Uh, we're heading to halfway through 2020. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's been uninhabitable for a year or so. But uh, we're getting to that point. So, well, sorry, let's continue. Yeah, thanks, Rob. No, you're right. So the, their concept of what is habitable is based on, you know, the barest minimums. You know, for for Australians in lockdown and, you know, people around the world in lockdown, they're complaining about a couple of months going to going to the fridge and getting their food. You know, in Gaza, electricity is on for somewhere between three and four hours a day. They don't know when it's going to be. You can't turn on a tap and get clean drinking water in Gaza. 96% of the water in Gaza is undrinkable. That's 96 now. of the Gazans live with food insecurity. Uh, Unemployment is at 50%. Youth unemployment is at 65. 70% of the schools in Gaza run on double shifts. So some kids go from nine to three and some kids go from three to nine. Wow. Uh, Okay. I didn't know that. Because there's so many kids in so few schools and so many of them can't get rebuilt after each of the three uh, massacres that Israel perpetuated in there. Because they obviously they uh, directly aimed on you know uh, on purpose to get rid of the schools and the also the uh, electricity places. So just throw that in there that that's part of what Israel did through through their um, Gaza strikes. Well, so the concept is you know electricity is used by Hamas. If we knock out the electricity, Hamas can't have electricity, so it's okay. Don't worry about the fact that there's too many people living in there and that not everybody voted for Hamas. You know, 15, 16 years ago. Not everybody is Hamas. There are Christians in there. Everybody has to suffer. This is collective punishment. It's illegal under international humanitarian law. Besides the the scarcity of water and electricity, the thing that, you know, we keep, we want to put back on the table and remind our listeners, remind Australians, remind people of the world, this is a man-made catastrophe. This didn't just happen. So the concept of a siege is medieval in nature. Uh, It was when an invading army or an attacking army laid siege on a castle. They would surround it. They would cut off the water. They would deny food into the, in, into, into the castle and its residents, the king, the soldiers. They would bomb it, eventually forcing those people to surrender. That's the concept of a siege. Now, Gaza's been on siege for 14 and a half, coming on to 15 years now. And if we go back to the, the Dove Wiseglass, 
And this is a guy who was the advisor to the prime minister at the time, Ehud Olmert. And he said, the idea is to put the Palestinians on a diet, but not to make them die of hunger. And what they did then and what they've since continued to do is calculate the number of human beings that are in Gaza, calculate the daily calorific intake required by each Gazan to live, not thrive, yet not die. And that's how much food they allow in each day. I mean, it's just brutal, evil at its absolute core. Bok imports and exports so businesses can't uh, work. We can't get things in. We can't get things out. I mean, just... medical stuff too. They start to stop. Oh, absolutely, medical, medical you know, stuff. All of those sorts of things, which is another way that the, the Palestinians will die. So, in the in that instance, Rob, they're denying things that go in because say Hamas might use this. So it might be stuff like chemotherapy equipment. So what then has to happen is that if you've got a sickness that can't be treated in a Gazan hospital because of the lack of resource or the lack of skill or the lack of medicine within Gaza, you need to make an application to leave Gaza. So the Israeli military authority determines whether or not they're going to give you this approval. And often your appointment might be on Tuesday. Often the approval might be granted Tuesday morning. So your chances of actually getting the approval, getting to the border, getting through the border, getting from Gaza to either Cairo or East Jerusalem to get to the hospital, a miracle is required. And then, they, they often also stop you know, the, the spouse of a critically ill person. Correct. Or from a critically ill child, they'll say, you know, you can go, but your parents have to stay here. Correct. And, and, and we've another had, level. Next level of evil. We've had situations, Rob, and we spoke about one a couple of years ago, where children with uh, rare childhood cancers, you know, terrible conditions where the kids have died without anybody with them. Mum and dad stuck in Gaza, two-year-old dies of uh, a brain tumour in Jerusalem. You know, it's just the level of inhumanity that beggars belief. And it really throws the gauntlet down to our Western leaders, whether it's uh, Justin Trudeau or Boris Johnson or Donald Trump or our own Scotty from advertising, how we can support a country and a government that perpetuates this level of inhumanity on, on, onto another people. It beggars belief. It really is so distressing and upsetting. Because they're all staunch um, supporters of Israel, aren't they? Well, I mean, you know, try and get them to do anything. Well, as you know, Australia only a matter of weeks ago petitioned the International Criminal Court to throw out investigation of war crimes in Palestine, Israel. So Palestine's not a country, so you don't have jurisdiction, don't do an investigation. Not, no crimes were done here, we don't think you should look. It's, no, no, by rule of law, Palestine's not a country, so you shouldn't even look. Well, hold on a second, either crimes were committed or were not committed. Whether or not it's a state or not, why are you trying to get in the way of an independent adjudicator finding out if war crimes were committed? Now, importantly, the Israelis don't want the investigation to go on. The Israelis called on Australia, and it was part of Senate estimates a couple of weeks ago, DFAT uh, confirmed, that they were asked by the Israeli government to make representations to the IWC. The Palestinians said, we want you to investigate. Hamas yeah, I remember that. Yeah, said, yeah, we want did, you to investigate. Even though they too will fall under the investigation and may have committed war crimes, and may be liable for prosecution. They said, it's fine. Come and investigate. We've got nothing to lose. What happened, what happened with that? Because I remember them actually saying that. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool. 
So in the first instance, uh, there's probably, I reckon, maybe three steps in this process. In the first instance, the prosecutor said, no, I believe that we do have jurisdiction. So that's, that happened a few weeks ago. Uh, from there, it'll go to the, the judges and they'll decide whether there is jurisdiction. Fingers crossed they'll say there is jurisdiction. Then the actual investigation will get heard. And then if the investigation is heard, uh, which means there is no question of jurisdiction, there is no question Israel will be found guilty of crimes yeah. against humanity. And then we welcome the day when Netanyahu is not only on indictment in Israel for being a criminal, but he's persona non grata in the whole world because he's a war criminal. Rob, I don't think there's a better way to finish the show than to say that Netanyahu's a uh, war criminal and we look forward to the day that he goes to The Hague and you know, spends the rest of his life in jail. I'm sure you'll all agree it was great to hear Rob's voice again and have him join the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, special treat. If you haven't already registered, head to olivekids.org.au. There's a special event, a Zoom webinar tomorrow at 11 a.m., olivekids.org.au. Join me and Amr Zahir, a Palestinian from America, a fantastic comedian, lawyer, advocate for Palestine. At 4 p.m., there's a movie, The Truth Lost at Sea, a film screening followed by discussion with filmmaker and Maori Mamara survivor Rafat Oudeh and others. So go to apan.org.au to get details for that. And a quick update on our Omar appeal from last week. We've exceeded $10,000. So thank you so very much for all those people that donated. Don't forget to tell your friends, share the podcast. Go to 3cr.org.au, become a sponsor, support the station and our show. We need your help to stay on air. 3CR needs you. Thank you. And remember, free Palestine.